0: Today is Tuesday, September 26, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A teacher is suing over a policy that would force educators to lie to their own kids. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Send us your thoughts as well. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. As I mentioned yesterday, the triumvirate is indeed back joining me now billy hallowell trigons phillips gentlemen happy tuesday
1: what's up happy tuesday i'm pumped i'm ready
2: (laughs) ready to rock and roll let's tackle the
1: news of the cray as
0: we call it here because it is crazy as always a lot to get to including uh, billy we've got these two thieves here they tried to steal a bunch of money but they ran into some uh let's just call it problems
1: yeah. You know what? Sometimes you, know, you, you mess around and, and
0: you, you find out, out can happen. Yeah. Play, play so. stupid games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> this is one of them. But we've got some of some, uh, the details on that. Good stuff. Also on the main thing, as I mentioned, we got another legal battle. This time a teacher is suing over a gender policy. You're not going to want to miss that. All of that and more coming up on the podcast. But first, we are going to get through the news here in 90 Seconds. And a quick politics roundup. Donald Trump spoke yesterday, uh, feeling it, after the ABC poll we talked about on yesterday's podcast that showed him up nearly 10 points. And even if that poll were an outlier, Trump still leads in the RCP polling averages. Nikki Haley is out on the trail still, and she hit out at Biden's quote-unquote disastrous energy policy as Americans deal with continued high gas prices. And Democratic New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez held a press conference yesterday he tried to explain why he kept nearly half a million dollars laying around his house, which was found during a search warrant that was being executed. He said, for 30 years, I've withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings account, which I've kept for emergencies because of the history of my family facing confiscation in Cuba. He did not address the gold luxury car home furnishings and mortgage payments that prosecutors allege. He also accepted as bribes. Also, the authorities say that money uh, they found in envelopes contained fingerprints from business people who were accused of paying bribes to Menendez. And a child safety advocacy group is warning parents about explicit content in a Netflix series called Sex Education. You can read about those stories and more. Over at CBNnews.com. Guys, this, this story um, ran out of time there in the, in the news segment. I'll just hit a couple details. The um, PTC, the Parents Television Media Council, they're talking about this series that basically shows and focuses on a high school boy running an underground sex therapy clinic. And the excuse from Netflix is that these actors are not actually minors. But the PTC says, well, but they're depicting minors. So this is still problematic. And I just find this interesting. I mean, it's just the latest from Netflix. And I know they have so much content on there. There's plenty of good stuff on there. But you, you find stuff like this and it's just disturbing.
1: Well, somebody bought this or made it so you know yeah. it doesn't just meander content doesn't meander its way onto a streaming platform somebody has to purchase it and make sure it's there they have to <laughs> right anyway I mean it's a whole other conversation but yeah you know I guess what's what's so disturbing and parents television Council has talked about this a lot why is it that material depicting kids what adults want to watch? Teenagers running around and children doing these sorts of things. Like, who? That's what's so disturbing to me about this. Why are these young people, why are they being depicted there?
2: Yeah, I think it, the hyper focus is what's odd to me. And it's not just in entertainment, it's in classrooms, right? There's a, this fixation on, um, embracing sexual identity differences and uh, teaching about orientation to younger and younger generations. And I think that's the argument that you've heard from most conservatives. Obviously, as Christians, we have an issue with any, uh, any designation sexually outside of what God has designed us for. But setting that aside, which is obviously a huge thing to set aside, but it, legally in the United States as adults, you can do what you want to do. You're an adult. But I think it's this hyperfixation on children that has people from all stripes coming together. There are Christians, conservatives who are not Christian, and even some more liberally minded people who are wondering w- what is this cultural hyperfixation on children. And I think a lot of it does come from our, our entertainment culture, right? I think that this is this, the content that they've been pushing. So this is what's on our minds. This is the this is the stuff that's in our faces all day long. When the word groomers gets thrown
0: around a lot. And, you know, the more I think back on you know, I grew up in the eighties and nineties. That was my era of sort of going through middle school and high school and college. And you and I think back to some of the content that was popular then. And I wasn't a Christian back then. And so, you know, I just watched everything that was popular. And I look at some of this content and show movies like American Pie, Sixteen Candles. These are teenagers. And they're in highly sexualized storylines. And it's just like, how did we let the adults do this to us? And why did our adults, you know, the, that were in charge of us, allow this to happen and not say anything? We're just sitting here watching all of this. Uh, I mean, fast times at Ridgemont High, all this stuff. It's the hookup scene, it's everything else. Like, It's really disturbing stuff when you actually think about it. 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, maybe even younger depicting this like hookup culture and just making it like a fun show. And then even now they're doing it with shows like the reboot of Karate Kid. That's all high school kids and they're just running around beating each other up and then hooking up. And that's all it is. So you're right. I mean, I think it has a massive influence on how we end up behaving.
1: Yeah. And and I think, too, then it, it's sort of cyclical because the negative and bad behavior feeds into that. Right. It's sort of like, well, yeah. we've allowed all these things culturally and we're encouraging children to do all these things in schools behind their parents' backs. Um, and, and so, you know what? It's reflected in our entertainment then. And so it just feeds it more. But this should be alarming. I think any thinking person should say, well, why are we putting teenagers, regardless of how old the actors are, that OK, push that to the side. Why are we putting this on the air, pushing it out in movie yeah. theaters and acting like it's normal?
2: No, I think, yeah, I, we become more desensitized to it, too, as as a society, the more that we see it. So I think that's another thing, too, is that there are people who are bothered by it and they are speaking out. But I think the vast majority of people who don't have those biblical convictions or don't have children of their own, maybe, or, you know, whatever. That I think we've just been so inundated with it that at a certain point it becomes... Oh that's just another my god that just Netflix being Netflix like yeah. it doesn't you know it doesn't right. really matter just don't watch that it's not a big deal right. whereas 10 15 years ago we all would have thought it was a big deal but that was because we weren't seeing it all the time um, yeah. but we are seeing it day in and day out uh, on on pretty much any streaming platform you go to
0: Yeah and it's a reminder for ourselves uh, as we talked about on a recent episode of Faith versus Culture the weekly show we do on uh, the CBN news channel Garbage in garbage out You really got to guard what's going in to your mind and to your soul and the things you put in Uh, because there's so much garbage out there. And not only for us, but also for our kids and for our friends. And um, just be mindful. Just be mindful of uh, what you're doing, what you're consuming. All right. We are going to head on over to the focus story now. And two alleged thieves are in for a shock of their lives when they reportedly assaulted a store clerk. And then attempted to run off with $1,200. So uh, what's the story here?
1: Yeah, this happened earlier this month, September 13th. It was around 10 p.m. at a family dollar out in Fort Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, The store was preparing to close for the night, and these two suspects allegedly came into the store. They said, look, you know, I'm looking for a lost cell phone. Once they got inside the store, the claim is that they pulled out a gun and started demanding money from the store employee um, who had let them in. Yeah, this person's probably thinking they're doing a good deed. This person lost their phone. Let's let them in. Next thing you know, they've got you at the safe. They're trying to get money out. And they allegedly said, give me the money or I will kill you. And so now they've got a weapon. You can imagine how terrifying This was for that store employee. Um, So they apparently grabbed the money from the safe and then pistol whipped the employee a couple of times. And so this was a very dangerous situation and really could have ended very differently. But somebody in another store in the same plaza who was closing up his shop apparently heard that something was going on, knew something was wrong, ran over to the store ran over there to the family dollar, went in, he had his own firearm, and he actually, and this is just sort of wild, you think about the bravery it took to to do this, he went inside the store, um, one of the suspects fled, but the other one, he told him to drop the weapon, kept him on the ground until the police arrived, and so they ended up arresting one of the assailants, the other one got away, um, but this guy, this brave move, I mean, imagine you know, okay, there's probably a robbery going on over there. You've heard commotion. You run over yourself. You don't wait for the police. You don't You don't wait for anybody else to come. You take action into your own hands. And this good guy with a gun is apparently the one that stopped this from getting much worse. Who knows what could have happened. Um, and because of him, this person was, was thrown in the slammer and has been brought up on all sorts of charges.
0: Wow, yeah. I mean, a few things crossed my mind listening to that. As you said, the bravery, right? Like not even thinking twice and going in there. Um, and the second thing I think is, look, if you're the clerk in that situation, it sounds like he was doing this, but the money's not worth it. You know, don't, don't try to, uh, you know, be the hero if they got the drop on you and you're sitting there and there's a gun pointed down your face, just do what they say and, you know, pray that you get out of that situation. And for the guys robbing the store, you know, praying for their souls, clearly their lives are off track, but at the same time, this this is what you get if you play these sorts of games. You know, thankfully, nobody got killed in this situation, even the criminals. But as we said at the top, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You open yourself up to, especially when you're in places like Texas, when a lot more people are carrying, you open yourself up to that.
1: You're going to, you're going to find out. You're 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 going to find out. out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Just what, you know, one of the thing about this, that I think this, this brings to mind, I think it's important to talk about because people would say, well, wow, you know, what's the importance of the story? The importance of the story is we are endlessly told that good guys with guns don't Don't stop crimes. Right. And here we are again. You know, this is, who knows? They would have gotten away. We wouldn't have been able to find them, potentially. This person not only stopped a crime, but potentially saved a life. Who knows where it could have right. gone?
0: And, and look, the, the argument, the counter argument I hear to that point is often, well, we just need to get rid of all the guns. Well, look, I'm sorry, but that ship has sailed in the United States. There are hundreds and hundreds of millions of guns in the United States. And short of a bloody confiscation, it's not happening. It's just not happening. That is a pipe dream, so forget it, right? There are going to be guns here, and if you take them away from all the the good guys, the only ones left with them will be bad guys like like these two.
2: Yeah, well, and I think, too, another thing about... Potentially taking away all the guns is okay. Now only the police, which one would never happen. As you said, it doesn't, if you're going to have a gun and you want to have one illegally, you're going to find a way to have one illegally. Um, but, uh, the other thing to think about too is okay. Police now have guns. How long is it going to take a police officer to get to the scene of something? Uh, What kind of damage could have already been done in the 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 10, whatever amount of time it takes them to get there. So, yeah, I think this is a great story. It is important to highlight these stories because it does show that the gun is not... Evil in and of itself, right? I right. think so often people who are anti-gun try to make the claim that the gun is and an, even as an inanimate object is somehow evil. Right. Uh, but it's what you do with the gun that causes the problem. Right. Um, so yeah, great story and good ending there, uh, funny yes. ending, but but definitely a good ending.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. Glad everyone's all right in that one, and uh, you know a good one to talk through. So appreciate you bringing that one to the uh, pod today, Billy. All right, we are gonna head over to. <laughs> the main thing now and a california teacher named laurianne west is suing to stop a policy that purportedly requires educators to lie to their parents about their children's gender identities she and her attorney paul jonah join cbn's billy hallowell to discuss their recent legal victory that's today's
1: main thing So, Laura, you recently had a legal victory right now as your case forges on a reprieve from this school policy that has made national headlines, a policy that forced you and other teachers to essentially lie to parents about their children's gender identities. And this is a big case. I think the eyes of the nation are on this case and on California in particular because of what is going on there. But I want to start with where, where did this policy at the center of all of this, where did it begin? How did you first learn about it? Take us through some of that background.
3: I think it was in February of 22, we had a uh, training where they presented all of this to just the teachers at my school. And when we saw what they were saying that we have to d- exclude parents, both Elizabeth and I were really taken aback. We thought, How can this possibly be? No one's a bigger champion of children than their parents. And we don't want to take the role of parents. We like to partner with parents, but we absolutely understand that parents have the number one responsibility for their children and they have the right to raise them as they see fit.
1: Yeah. and, And so you find out about the policy And you're trying to figure out, how am I going to navigate this? What am I going to do? At what point did you realize, okay, there's a policy on the books that is purportedly telling us we have to lie to parents about their kids, pretend that they might not be transitioning socially when they are, um, and and the school stepping into this. At what point did you realize, okay, I now have to take a stand on this?
3: I did receive a talking to. About misgendering a student, and I didn't, I, I didn't know what to say. And then I, I clicked in my head, this is leading down the road to discipline. And then hearing another teacher who has had been formally disciplined, I was like, "Well, I'm on the path to losing my job if I don't follow this policy, and I don't agree with this policy." So it kind of puts you in a bad position. I don't want to lose my job. I love my job. I love my students. I want to be there. And it was kind of choose, choose your faith or choose your job. And that's mm. a terrible position to be put in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that that's how it works, right? That's how it works. It makes you better the harder you work. And, you know, so, so you and, and Elizabeth, and we've had Elizabeth on to talk about this story as well. You make the decision, you go to court, you challenge this. Now, you you were able to secure and what you're challenging is this policy of you know having to lie to parents and the position it puts you in as an educator you were able to get a preliminary injunction and i want to go to you paul as an attorney help us understand because this case is ongoing this doesn't settle the stop the case or settle the case in any way but this injunction is a is a victory for the educators can you explain to us what it means
4: Sure, yeah, it's actually a very big deal. The way, I mean, before you get a preliminary injunction, the court has to determine that you have a likelihood of prevailing on the merits of the case. They don't just give you an injunction. It's a very difficult remedy to obtain. And in in making that assessment that you're likely to prevail, the courts are often signaling how they're gonna rule at the end of the case. And this was not just some five-page ruling. This was a 36-page, very well-reasoned ruling focusing on federal constitutional rights and um, it's significant because there's no ruling like this in the country, and and the court does a very good job of going through the the tough legal issues, not only First Amendment but also the parental rights issues, the Fourteenth Amendment, and it's very significant. I think that, um, that you know this will ultimately be the end ruling in the case, but we're, here we are, the preliminary injunction phase. The court has determined this policy likely violates the U.S. Constitution, and and um, I think it does put this school district and the state and all school districts, frankly, on notice that these policies are likely unlawful and they need to be very careful if they try to enforce them. You know, Paul,
1: it's interesting. I'm a parent, I'm a journalist, I have two kids in in public school, right? And so um, I, I look at this and I think, okay, You have a policy, and there are other things going on in California as well. Right now, there are school boards that have tried to create policies, as you well know, uh, to protect parents from this sort of thing. And those policies are now, the state is suing um, at least one district over that policy. And so when you look at this, we're talking about the teacher's rights in this case. And correct me if I'm wrong on any part of this, but we're talking about the teacher's constitutional rights. Then there's the whole parental side of this. I mean, what what do you think is the is the end game on this? Are states and districts going to be able to step into the role of parent, which is essentially what is happening here, um, pushing the teachers' rights to the side, becoming the parent, and telling the parents that they're a danger to their kids? I mean,
4: is there any world in which this would be allowed to stand? You think nationally? I, I don't think so. So the court in our ruling, and it's very much worth reviewing the ruling. The court says that this policy constitutes a trifecta of harms, and, and that. Touches on the point you just made. It harms students, it harms parents, and it harms teachers. Obviously, our our case, we're representing uh, teachers, but um, but the harms are all on all three. But I don't think you know. Look, I think the what how these policies came about is it seems pretty clear. Very uh, you know, certain public or private interest organizations, Gay Straight Alliance, very various, various groups have drafted these policies, sent them all over the country, and for whatever reason. School districts are just adopting them and state um, boards of education are, are suggesting that this kind of guidance is required. And in California, what's very interesting is on the one hand, they try to say that this guidance is required or is, you know, they try to say it's guidance for the school districts. They said, it's not binding, it's just guidance. You talk to the school district, they'll say, we only have this policy because California said we had to. And um, and, and in our case, they weren't even defending the merits of the policy. They were making arguments about standing and jurisdiction and immunity. And um, it wasn't until we brought to the court's attention, look, your honor, they're actually suing the Chino Union School District for having a policy that dares to contradict the supposed non-binding guidance the state has issued to every school district. The judge was very troubled. He said that's deeply troubling. He didn't know that. And the state kind of tried to play it both ways. On the one hand, trying to tell the court here, this is just guidance, Your Honor. We don't have anything to do with this. We're not, we shouldn't be here. On the other hand, they're in court getting an injunction. By the way, that injunction was based on California privacy rights um, that they got. It was, a, it was a TRO, not a preliminary injunction, temporary restraining order. And it was, and the, you know, if there's a conflict between the California Constitution and the U.S. Constitution, the U.S. Constitution trumps. I mean, and, and in our case, we're dealing with federal mm-hmm. constitutional rights. So I think big picture. These are wacky policies. They're dangerous policies. They're unconstitutional policies. But the good news is that this ruling really sets the framework for courts across the country to adopt, which is, it analyzes this in a comprehensive manner. These are not likely to be um, legal. These policies are likely to be unconstitutional. And this order explains why.
0: All right, Billy, thanks so much for bringing that conversation. It's just so disturbing. Right? When you hear, again, we keep talking about this, but we have to go into court to defend basic rights, basic common sense rights. It just gives you the sense that people are trying to change basic, common American ideals like freedom of speech. All right, that's going to lead us into our time for one last thing on the podcast.
2: So we're going to look at Psalm 28, 7. It says, the Lord is my strength and my shield in him. My heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts. And with my song, I give thanks to him.
1: I love that. That is a, uh, when you, when you talk about giving thanks in every circumstance too, it just reminds me of that no matter what we're facing to, uh, to live with gratitude to him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see it over and over again in the Old Testament. Um, You got to redirect your heart and your praise back to him and good things will happen. So, all right. That's where we are going to leave it on the podcast today. As always, thanks so much for being here uh, with us as we journey through the news of the cray each and every weekday, bright and early. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your Tuesday. God bless. Lord willing. And that creek don't rise. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then.